Welcome to the Monsters and Treasure podcast, where we talk way too long about a subject and just give you the best parts. I'm Daniel Norton, here as always with K.R. King from D&D Homebrew. How are you doing, K.R.? Just sitting here with my hard sci-fi steampunk Victorian game. Sounds interesting. You know, Daniel, we've been talking about different systems, and uh, you had been saying that it wasn't so much the rules that you were enjoying these days when you're looking at new systems, but kind of the concepts, right? Kind of like, what's the setting? What's uh, what's the overall kind of vibe of it? Whereas the rules to you, like, like let's say you talked about a hard sci-fi setting was interesting to you, not so much how much does a laser cannon do, how many dice, or what what how do the characters, what's their various attributes, but what is the setting and what is the, uh, and you could just take that setting and you like kind of a rules light system. You're not as worried about that. Is that right? I feel like I've reached this like Zen state where like I understand. I, if I feel like I, I'm a broken record because I repeat myself a lot. But I feel like what it comes down to is I kind of know what works. And this is obviously trust is super important. Like we've talked about the idea that like your players have to have buy-in and that they have to have this. My players don't know, not don't know all the rules. They'll look them up. If somebody's like, oh, can I see the rule book? I will give it to them. If they ask me how something works mechanically before they make a step, I will tell them. Not that I'm making it up. I mean, I have the rules, but they don't need the rules. Like they don't they don't grab onto them and hold on to them. And I wonder if that's because we've been playing a long time together, because most of them, uh, save one one player, are pretty well versed and have played lots and lots of RPGs at this point. And I wonder how much of that has to do with the fact that they've come from rules heavy systems. So where they kind of are sick of going oh man, hold on, is there an and or a but there? And, you know, is there a period or is that a comma? Hold on, what's this semicolon mean? You know, it's like you're trying to interpret like, hold on, when somebody enters the sphere of the thing, but does that mean if the thing touches them or if they enter it? Hold on, what happens if you leave? What When's your turn? And have, is it turn or turn? Or is, you know, and they don't want to deal with that anymore. And I think I've reached that point too. Like, I feel like I've drifted weirdly because people will listen to my other podcasts and they're like, oh, well, it's all mechanics. Well, I'm talking about that because I'm trying to get it behind me. You know, I want it so in, embedded in the system that it just makes sense, that you don't have to actually think when you're at the table, all this makes sense. And there's none of this like, oh, okay, we got to think about this. Let's look it up and let's see this very precise rule because the overall system has a flow that works logically. Well, unfortunately, yeah, I'm going to be in disagreement with that because <laughs> when you're, even you as you're saying that, I'm saying you've got these rules all internalized or you're mm -hmm. making decisions. What you're doing in a in a role playing game is even if you say I've got all these rules internalized, I don't need to go mm -hmm. look them up. You still had to have those rules right. unless you're just making things up as you go along. No. So the other thing is, is that do your players they do play other games, correct? Mm -hmm. They do play other systems. So your game is just one of different ones they play. Or at this point, are they only playing in your game? Is it? Or, or, do they play no. other games? No, they play other games. Yeah. Right. So your game is just a, fl a flavor that is the three brown books uh, with your with your add on to it. You know, those rules really well. They don't necessarily need to know them. And I'm not saying that this is a bad thing or a good thing, but I'm just saying that that's a very specific sort of Daniel's game is this as opposed mm -hmm. to another game where it's a we, we much more have this rule set of whatever it is. Let's say it's 5e or I don't know what your other your players play, but. Uh, Call of Cthulhu, whatever the games are they Pathfinder, play. Pathfinder, Call of Cthulhu, so, 5e. Yeah, I think I talked to one person I met at, at a convention in your group that played 5e. 
Yeah, five E. We play five E for three years. We, uh, yeah. we, 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 they all play Pathfinder. I don't. Everybody plays Call of Cthulhu. They've played other games too. They play a lot of, uh, right. Because you bet some of these people, some of them are game designers, you know, they, so, uh, yeah. you know, and, I'm, and I'm not saying that this is the only way to play. I'm saying for me, because this all spurred from this idea of like different systems, because we actually do have a note here. How many systems do we need? And I think I've reached this like weird, I don't even want to say weird, like interesting point in my life where when I look at a system, I don't care necessarily about, the rules. And it's funny because I was just called into another podcast, uh, Decahedron, and they, they totally misinterpreted this. So maybe I'll say this in a way that hopefully is more clear. I don't necessarily care about the system in the sense that obviously a system is terrible. I don't want to work with, but I, I, I don't think rules for me, unless it's super genre specific, which is something else, are that important because I feel like the rules are something I can do myself. Like I would rather see, and this is what we're talking about, I would rather see a book with setting information, not so much like this is how you play this world, like here's the world of blah, 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 and this is how many alien species, but more like, let's say that you want to run a hard science fiction game. Give me some essays about how you would do that in a way that's not rule specific. What makes something hard sci-fi? Define it for me. Tell me what kind of aspects I should have. Uh, in some way, 5e did this in their horror book. I don't know if you have that one where they talk about different genres of horror and what things you might in include in them. So if you're going, here's, here's a supplement, here's a zine. Here's a good zine idea for you zine makers. Write down something. Say, you're going to make a zine about how do we make a slasher horror game? And you don't put the rules of how Jason ends up in different places or how many hit points Jason has. Instead, you say, these are the elements that make a slasher horror film, right? If you want your game to feel like this, this is what you need to have in the game. You can use whatever rule set makes sense to some level, but these are the elements. And you can look at it and go, well, that's perfect. We need a game like this called Cthulhu we can use because the characters aren't very strong, but they have these other traits. We can't use D&D &D 5e because the characters are super strong, you know, and that's not going to work for slasher horror. And you as a, a skilled or experienced or knowledgeable game master of games that you know, right, your, your games and your repertoire might be different than the games in mine. You can decide what rule set works for that type of uh, element. I think that's where I'm getting at here. Like, I don't think the actual rules, once you know how rules work, I don't think you need to have more than a handful of sets of rules to be able to run just about anything if you understand the, the genre. So there seems to be two things going here, which is one, mm -hmm. uh, if you're playing, a, let's say we're going to have a setting where we're in a sci hard sci-fi setting and we're going to use kind of a role-playing format. I have a character that I run and the other four people in the group do. And then you have a referee type person who's, running the world that you're in, which is right. kind of the RPG format. To me, that sort of genre, are you trying to run a campaign like that where you run forever or for a long period of time? And if you do, what are the goals? What are the, what keeps you interested for that long period of time? As right. opposed to, oh, I'm going to, we're going to run it one shot or two or three times. And then we're going to run the next one. We'll run in the medieval. Now we're going to run in 1920s and, you know, whatever, and go on and on. So I always think in terms of that thing of is it an extended kind of period or is it just a one shot? Because I can do a one shot of uh, in a very simple rule system and whatever, because I'm just there. I know that I'm going to invest four hours or however many well, or over two two times. But am I going to sit there week after week and have a system where I'm going to play and have a character and in, in a world where I'm going to advance through that world? Mm -hmm. Now, we did that with a very simple rule set, the original rules and everything. Mm -hmm. And we were able to do that. I don't know if I look back on it now. I mean, I can find my old notes and stuff in boxes and it kind of doesn't even make sense to me anymore. But 
So I don't know what that was like to do that. I just know today in a more modern setting, I like to have a little more rules that give me an idea of things, of how this would sort of work, as opposed to just making it up as I kind of go along, even if it's collaborative, right? Well, even okay, I, I think to that... To have see, a campaign, whereas as opposed to sitting down at a table and just playing. See, yeah, I think I think this is where we're having a, a disconnect. I'm not saying you make the rules up as we go along. For some reason, you always stick that in this thing, like I'm making stuff up as I go along. What I'm saying is if you give me a book, because we're talking about systems, right? Like not about a individual okay. campaign. If you give me a book... I don't necessarily need a system to go with it, right? I can look at the book and go, oh, okay, and, and, and to directly answer your questions. Well, it would depend on what you're doing, right? If you're doing slasher horror, you're probably not going to. Maybe you do. You go, the goal of this game is to run Friday the 13th in 13 sessions, right? And each session, you this is how you do it. The first session... You know the nobody understands. In the second session, then you know maybe it's the the it's it's actually Jason. Spoilers, right? In the next session, you're in space or whatever they started doing. Also, right? Maybe you're the cousins of the people. Maybe you heard rumors. It's ten years later, and this is how you put together a campaign of that specific thing, right? And the, I'm, and again, I'm no expert. So I'm just throwing this out as a random thing that probably wouldn't be interesting. But if somebody's interested in doing that, you know, do it. Uh, you know, I think that. Um, that's what I want, right? I want to know how to do that. Because if I want to run a Friday the 13th game, that would be super helpful to me. Now I can look at it and go, okay, wow, okay, we need to basically make new characters every session. So I don't want a game that I'm going to spend four hours making a character that I need to have massive character growth. I'm going to pick a game where it's maybe a skill-based system or a game that point by and we can build the characters exactly right for those sessions. But if the, if the genre is let's say something like Pendragon, which obviously exists already, right? Uh, where you're going to build like a family through time and you want this, then you're going to want heritage, you want backgrounds, you want all this stuff. So you're going to want a system that has more depth for that kind of thing, right? And I think that you can insert your system that works into the settings if you had a book that had a lot of strength in the settings. I not, No way am I saying I make stuff up as I go along. I, I never just make up something. That would be, why would I make up a rule? I mean, that's a, I'd make a ruling, which is you do in every game. I've, I've done that in 5e and people that, I mean, 5e is tight, but it's not perfect. There's definitely spaces where you're like, I, that's, we're going to change that. Or we're going to make it a ruling because you're doing something different here. You're going outside the norm. At least that's the way that I run the game. But, you know, of course, there's probably people that go, no, that's not how you run it. Well, I, yeah. And again, if you think 5e is tight, you should see this because I've been running in Pathfinder 2nd edition. Super tight, right? It's like mm -hmm. they've got a rule for everything. And yeah, I'm not sure that. I enjoy that just for the reason that you're saying to sit around and have to look up in the book constantly. <laughs> what's the rule can be very frustrating as opposed to the far back in the distant past when we, you know, again, making up rules as we go along from now on, you know, I want to take go, swim through that river. And we would say, well, what's your strength? There was no rules on swimming across a river. Sure. We just say, and it depends on how swift is the river. I want to swim across the Mississippi river. That's going to be tough. I don't right. care how strong you are. I've been to the Mississippi River, and that's got currents. That's got that's a big river there. Mm -hmm. Or I'm going to swim across the Niagara River. Or you know, every, anyone who's seen a really brutal river knows you have to be a hell of an athlete to swim across that river versus mm -hmm. a little creek or whatever. So I didn't need rules to tell me that. But my players want to know what the chances are. Can I do this? Can I try? Well, can I get a raft? Right. Can I do this? Can I do that? And we just kind of made it up, trying to be as realistic as we wanted. And then you'd start, maybe if you were constantly crossing rivers, which of course you probably wouldn't be, but let's just say you were, we'd we'd write them down or we'd, we'd have a rule, right? We'd make a rule up sure. that we felt was fair within the game. So, but a lot of people want to say, 
I just want to know. I, I don't want to go through that process, and I don't want necessarily an, or the GM. I I feel like they're not being fair, or they're they're trying to screw me on this river thing. And so here's the rule they'll say, and I, here's what I well, you may look at those rules and go, I don't like that rule in this book. Whatever you say as a GM, and you have the right to just go. Here's how I do it in my world, right? So the thing is, is that for me, the the reason that I like kind of like to have some rules is there is that uh, distancing from you and the players where it's not like you making fiat rulings. Okay. Cause you're mm-hmm. just, you're pulling rulings out of your ass. Vast but knowledge. You're saying this, this is the way the system <laughs> is, but you can always say it. Okay. In my, in my game, we don't, um, I don't do this, this, and this, and these rules. And now what's interesting right. is there's not so many so far that I've seen in two E. Whereas in 5e, because maybe 5, well, 2e is pretty mature, but 5e, by the time I got into it in 2019, there was tons of house rules out there. There were tons of things where people said, well, this doesn't work and that doesn't work. I like the way I do the game and the way that, um, that, because you often say you make things up, whatever. I think people have to understand, because if you're new to this, so I'll put it out there, like, because I know that you're very experienced and, and I feel like I'm fairly experienced. If, if you are doing these things, that's not what you're doing. You're not just pulling a ruling out of your butt to save or kill your players. What you're doing is, at least me, I'm evaluating the situation based on what's happened in the world, what works logically, because I'm an adult and I've lived a long time and done a bunch of things. And the other thing that I do, which maybe a lot of people don't do, is I also then, I basically put it out there as an offer. You know, I think I've talked about this before, where I will say, they go, we want to run across the river. And I say, well, all right, well, it's really deep and swift. So if you're going to just rush across the river because people are chasing you, then, uh, you know, then that you're going to have a 50% chance of drop, whatever. I'm just making it up at this point, right? I'm going to say something that I think makes right. sense. And then they're going to go, well, hold on. How far behind me are you? Well, you don't hear them, so you're not sure how far they are. You guys were faster than them because you were on horses. Okay, well, hold on. Can the horses swim better? Well, maybe. What if one person in light armor goes across on horses and then ties a rope and then other people hold on to it? Okay, that's going to definitely increase your chances. In worst case, you'll lose a horse, but you won't fall in and drown yourself because you can hold on to the rope. But that's going to take this long, and I'm going to roll to see if they get closer. Is that what you want to do? You know, and then they'll they'll make a decision, right? And now you've had this back and forth at the table, and I think that that's important when you talk about rulings. When you have fixed rules, it's different, right? Because you go, what's the rule? Here it is, whether you have to take time to look it up or you just know it. I mean, if you're doing a scene, right, and you know they're going to cross the river, because in most kind of rules-heavy type games, people do play in scenes because you have to prepare more. And you're like, you're being chased. There's going to be a river. I've already prepared it. It's DC 19. It requires a strength athletics check. And you have disadvantage if you're in heavy armor. You already know that, right? So now when they get to the river, you just tell them that. It's running swiftly. You're going to have to make an athletics check. It's going to be 19. You have a disadvantage in heavy armor. And you just tell them that, and then they would just do it. Then they could still go, what if we use our horses? Another, but then you can kind of negotiate it down, right? It's so fascinating when you're listening to that, because mm-hmm. that's what, in real life, you go up to a river, can I cross the river? And you'd say, well, that's the Mississippi versus that's a creek. In real life, you'd look at that and go, I can't cross that. Because mm-hmm. the other thing is, there's a guy on a, uh, did a YouTube channel trying to swim in plate mail. It was an armor. It was virtually impossible. He had divers around him. That's why guys, when they did flee into a river after a battle, like 20,000 would drown, right? It wasn't just because they couldn't swim. It's because they had this armor on, mm-hmm. and it just slows you down unbelievably, you know, right? It's just you don't have mobility. Right. You panic, and you fall into the water. It's possible for a really good swimmer to swim in armor, but it's really difficult. So that's a real-life thing, and obviously they create a ruling, and 
uh, the, and I don't know what the Brown books rule is for, for swimming, but it, yes. it would be very difficult, right? We just yeah, knew you, if you're, we would say you just, you can't swim in your armor. You got to take it off. If you don't, right. you're probably going to drown. Maybe there's a chance, but All right, let's leave a pause very, right here for the person that's going to yeah. uh, send us that YouTube video with the guy swimming in plate mail and also the guy that does the flips yeah. and stuff. Cause I, yeah, you send that to me all you want. Uh, no, <laughs> you can't swim. Plate oh mail. no. What do you mean? <laughs> No, no, I'm just saying there's there's a couple of videos out there where people uh, say they made absolutely accurate armor to what people would have had. And they're doing flips and somersaults. And they're like, oh, it's so easy to move around a plate mail arm. Okay. No, I mean. <laughs> not in my that, game. I, I don't yeah, care. I, I don't care. <laughs> that's not easy. And then this was yeah. crude stuff. And, and everybody, yeah. you just if you read the histories, people just drowned when they ran. Well, and, and to your they point, to I mean, I, where I live, I live near a, a, a Revolutionary War battle site. And uh, they well, were, were the Americans lost and or they weren't American Jets. I don't know what they call themselves. But anyways, they lost and f some of them f fled across the river that's here, the Hudson River, and many of them drowned. I mean, they weren't wearing armor. They were just guys trying to swim across a deep and, and you know, treacherous river being chased, you know, in their regular clothes and not being swimmers in Speedos, you know, they're like in boots and wool, you know, uh, clothes or whatever. It's not easy to go across that river. So, right, you can use your logic. And I kind of get this, like if you're playing and you're 10 years old, right, you're going to basically be like, okay, you know, you don't, you don't know, right? How many rivers have you swung across when you're 10 years old? And you're probably watching, you know, uh, the... Uh, Tarzan. Tarzan does it every time, right? I mean, or whatever, or Conan the Barbarian. I, I don't know if people watch it. He can yeah. swim across anything, you know. Uh, yeah. I just saw the, the, the uh, just for a second, Commando movie where Arnold gets to the back of a plane and jumps off the plane as it's taking off and lands <laughs> in a swamp and gets up and runs off. And that right. may be your game, right, where you right. can do that kind of stuff. And uh, if the But again, that gets into, we're trying to do something that's just sort of heroic and fun and we're not worried about any kind of real. And of course, that realism is another, this, every topic here goes into another topic because how real <laughs> is real and all that kind of stuff. But you're trying to be, you're, you're, you're negotiating with your players. What you were just doing is tell me what you're doing and then I'm going to tell you what you see. So you say, is it possible for me to ride my horse across the Mississippi? And you go, you look at that river and go, no way. You just know you're in the world. Whereas a creek or a, a shorter river, maybe. But there's a reason they used to build rafts and they'd pull them across like a ferry <laughs> with ropes. And there's a reason that battles, uh, rivers became geographic boundaries for kingdoms or for states or whatever, because they're not only navigable, but you can't just cross them. They're very right. difficult to cross. And so when you run into that, there's a there's an assumption without any rules that this is going to be tricky to do. How are you going to do it? I'm going to build a raft. Okay, got to spend the time. Who can anyone, does anyone know, have any sense of how to do that and whatever? And then you just say, okay, it's going to take you four hours to build this raft. You're going to make a ton of noise and blah, blah, blah. Do you have that amount of time? And then they get in the raft and there's a chance the raft could follow, you know, tip over or get caught in a current. Because I used to live in, in the Detroit area, the St. Clair River, the currents. They say big signs, do not swim in this river because the mm -hmm. currents are incredibly strong because you're going from one lake, Great Lake to the other. And people drowned all the time because they, they don't mm -hmm. realize you're not supposed to swim in this river. So if you put a raft in that river, you're going to come off the river way down from where you went in. And, you know, there you are. You're like five miles down or whatever it is. All those things go into that negotiation with your players. They're, they're going to know that. 100%. Let me try to spin this back to where, where we were because this, <laughs> in, in some level, this is what I'm talking about, right? Like if you were to say... 
All right, we're going to uh, create a zine. These are all zines because there's no way this could fill up a whole book uh, on survival travel, like your explorers, right? Going down, like some of the early explorers that, that go into, you know, uncharted land, Lewis and Clark, let's say, whatever, right? Right. You're going to say, all right, these are the types of rules that, you, that you're going to need. You're going to need this kind of thing in your game. Now, you could make those rules, and I suppose maybe that would make sense. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll backtrack on my idea that maybe you do want rules for that. But at the same time, I don't know that I need roll 3d6 down the line, you know, or 4d6 pick the best, use these feats. I think the rules I need are the rules specific to the genre. So in a sense, like when you look at OD&D, they added supplements, right, as they went. But really, those are just more rule books. What a supplement to me really would be is something that says, here's how you add survival in the jungle to OD&D. These are the things you need. Now we do need actual swimming rules. How long does it take to make a raft? What kind of knowledge would we need to do it? How would we roll for that? You could put those rules into this because those are specific to the genre. But if I want to run that, let's say in a modern sense, with Morkborg or with Into the Odd or with 5e, I could use it with any of those systems, right? Because the idea the, the would be this is a genre-specific zine and I think to me, anyways, I guess the whole point of this when we first started talking about this was that I've reached this point where I feel like that'd be more useful to me than another game. Because I feel like I have run enough games that I have the basic ideas of what most rule sets could be. And again, I would love somebody to throw a rule at me and be like, well, you probably never heard of this rule. And maybe you're right. And maybe it's cool. But I bet it's not. Because I think that most games use the same rules, and there's a reason for that. There's a reason D&D is like 50 years old. And I said on Decahedron, I'm like, we all play D&D. Of course, he was like, I don't really like D&D or whatever. But the reality is, is that if you're playing a role-playing game, you're basically playing D&D. I mean, that that is where it came from. Most of the concepts are just spun off and house rules. But I'm going to get to hate mail for this one. Of D&D, you know. Sorry. I mean, the influence is incredibly pervasive. Yeah. I'm not a wargaming RPG historian, so maybe people could come up and say this and this and this, and then people talk about, was it in the air at that time? So there were these other mm -hmm. competing systems. I don't really know. But obviously in the, the, the my own experience with playing role-playing, I do sort of want to know what are my characteristics. And it's interesting you're saying this whole thing about, uh, it would be interesting to do uh, a Lewis and Clark style thing. Obviously, <laughs> you've got a exploiting the, the indigenous people issues and some other things that were happening while that was well, going. Yes, Suddenly they owned this land, you know, so Jefferson <laughs> says, go explore our new, our new territory. The people right. that live there had no idea, but it was a fascinating thing because they're on these boats. They were, they were, they, they, they used rivers to travel on flat boats and stuff. They were going upstream a lot of the times. I think they probably had canoes. I'm sorry. Again, I mean, Lewis and Clark experts out there. Um, but talk about having to survive. Talk about right. you're in the wilderness. You are on your own in that kind of environment. And they made it all the way to the west coast of Oregon, you know, Astoria, mm -hmm. that area, and Columbia River, and uh, then made it all the way back. So it, through all those territories, through all those the dangers and everything, uh, would be a fascinating role play. Um, I, but again, are you going to, if you get to the west coast and you come back, what do you get? Do you get fame, points? Do you get money from furs i mean what is it that you're going for are you just trying to survive i just want to be someone who goes sets off in wherever they started i don't think it was st louis i don't know goes all the way no it wasn't st louis because there was no st louis then <laughs> so but you get all the way to the west coast and all the way back and then is that like the end we're done yeah. we're not going to just keep keep playing i've already explored it but it would be interesting to just see what that would be like. And could you use something like an OD&D basic idea? You've got flintlocks or whatever they had. 
Yeah. I don't know. And and I would say that right. the final thing for me is the more experienced you are with all these systems, the easier that process would be to play your Lewis and Clark game. And and again, I'm going to say this one last time and literally pull it out of your butt because <laughs> you're going to be doing that to a certain extent. Because there is no, as far as I know, now maybe there's a Lewis and Clark game out there. I'd love to hear if anybody has one. But if not, I know that I could make one up. I mean, I know right. I could come up with something. I just, but I, but again, I still want to know what does a rifle do? What is a, you know, those kind of things? Do I just make it like a crossbow or something? Because, you know, rifles are more lethal uh, in that kind of setting. That, that would be a very lethal game. So you'd, I think those guys avoided combat as much as they could because they knew one shot or a couple of arrows and you're dead, you know, so. Right. And, and I guess that's it, right? You'd have to decide. And, and I guess, right. I, it's funny because I feel like what you just said there kind of is exactly what I'm saying is that. You, if you had that idea, if you knew, let's say, that expedition, and I am no expert in it, and certainly, you know, they had a lot of help, right? There was a, a very, and the name slipped my mind now, a very uh, famous scout that helped them, a, a native. Uh, right. There was and, somebody's and, on a coin, I think, somewhere. Uh, yeah, and, and which is and it's terrible that we don't know that, but we know their name. So that's that just tells yes. you something about history. But about anyways, that? that's. <clears throat> but the idea being that if you were going to make that game, you would want to like, let's say, read some history of it, some notes, whatever, some ideas. We met these peoples here. We encountered this hazard here. And you could make your game basically like you could do a bit like a point crawl uh, with, you know, things happening, kind of like Oregon Trail uh, video game style. Right. And what would be that? Right. You need to determine what is the, the, the I'll say, win condition, for lack of a better word. Right. You would say maybe you do get better. Right. Maybe you don't level up because the two arrows will still always kill you. Right. But maybe you get better with your flitlock or you get better at your survival. That way, if you do lose, let's say, your guide or you you piss them off, you know, you might not just be completely abandoned, right? Because a month into it, if they were abandoned, they probably would have been dead, right? They, so that's it, right? You have your different levels of play. Going to the West Coast would be you're leveling up to that, like, mid-level, right? And on the way back, you're at more of, like, the heroic level. And that's when it's, it's almost desperate, right? Because now you have your maps. Now you have that valuable thing and you want to bring it back for whatever you get fame or because like what's the what's the end goal in D&D right if you play your whole campaign as most people play them today not like a open world run for 17 years campaign you basically level up to a point where you fight some massive threat and then the game's over right what did you get a cool story right and that's what you'd get in that game as well thanks for listening if you'd like to hear your voice on the show give us a call you can find all the ways to do that in the show notes if you'd like to see more rpg content from us you can find us both on YouTube, Daniel at Bandit's Keep and myself at D&D Homebrew. These are also linked in the show notes. If you'd like to support the show, please give us a rating, ideally on Apple Podcasts, as it helps the show be seen by more people. And we'll see you next week.